Well, three weeks ago from today, uh, Sherry and I had spent uh, a long weekend uh, because her mother had gone to the emergency room, and uh, we did not know uh, when she went in the extent of what was going on. And so over these last few weeks, uh, her, she has, uh, the news was not good, and then she uh, slowly uh, really declined rather quickly. And uh, to the point where this past week, um, my weeks are not this week, this past week, but the week before that, um, you know, the interventions were kind of stopped. And then uh, this past uh, Monday, she was put in a hospice home, which, by the way, Sherry and I really do believe what a ministry that place is, an amazing place. Um, but uh, and then on uh Wednesday, Tuesday, she had uh, really lost the ability to speak anymore. And then on Wednesday morning, it was very precious to be with her when she passed. And, uh, you know, over 30 years of uh, being a great mother-in-law, I get the honor of being able to do her service tomorrow morning. And so I know all these mother-in-law jokes, they exist, and everybody talks about that. That will not be a part of the service in the morning, for sure. I never had any inkling of any of that because I was so blessed. Very interestingly, if you could speak to Sherry, and she was, um, if she could get up and preach this morning or share with you uh, her thoughts, um, I prayed for some stone cold, you know. Um, you know, honestly, truthfully, if she had the opportunity to really speak today, she would talk to you about the answered prayers over these past few weeks. How uh, we were able to talk to her mom, how she was able to talk to her mom, and other folks, even her sister from New York City, was able to come in and spend like five days. And then as it happened, it was really quite beautiful. It was quite beautiful. I know unbelievers might have a hard time with this because some people might say she lost a battle, but she didn't. She is alive today, and we're thankful for that. But why I bring up to you that, that whole uh, what Sherry would say is because uh, there was such meaningful time. It was a meaningful time of being able to talk about the most important things. I mean, you know, when this is happening, you cut the fluff and you go to the most important things. And that's something that, um, you know, we're looking forward to tomorrow morning. We're going to have the service right here. And I'm uh, I want to encourage Sherry by being here. It's great. But I, I want you to know that uh, that was a part of all of this. And uh, even as she was passing, we realized that things had changed. And we gathered around her and we prayed. So it was uh, myself and Sherry and, and uh, Heather, uh, her sister. And then uh, Victoria and Brianna were there. That was sweet. And as we prayed, she passed. And... And that was the, um, 
There's something sacred about that. There's something about that that marks you. It did as well. Um, you know, even they don't have to be family. I mean, for Robin Rop passed away the week prior to that. And I was there with Jay when that happened. There's something sacred about that. There's something rich about knowing that your loved one, your mom, uh, your wife uh, is in heaven. And so today, as I come to you, I want to uh, I want to come to you in that same spirit. And that is that I want to talk to you with a sense of urgency. One of the things that was the most sweet to Sherry was how as you come in, every time I came in the room over the last couple of weeks especially, she would say, I love you, Johnny. I love you, Johnny. And she, would, she said, I love you, Sherry, a lot. And those were the most important words. And you know, that's one of the, those words were just so powerful um, in that. Now, today I come with you with the same urgency to talk to you about the most important thing. Because over these past, like in September and October, we're talking about the real God, trying to establish the right view of the real God because it seems that in our world, especially here in America, We've made a God and created a God of our own choosing. And so it's important that we know the real God. And so we've been talking about all the attributes of God, and what I want to talk to you today is really cutting all, all those other things are equally important, but today I really want you to listen to the most important thing. One of the most important things about God, and that is that God is a God of love. There are three facts about love, and I gave these to you in your handout. I know, uh, you know, enjoy these handouts the next couple of weeks, so they ain't going to be no, that long in, in the future, all right? We're going through this with other churches and all that, but uh, I, I am almost too ADD for that. Uh, I mean, like, holy cow, even in preparing and everything, I'm like, by the second page, I'm like, I'm going to gloss over a little bit. Hang in there, all right? Um, here, here's the first fact about love. The first fact is love is a universal need. Uh, everyone is looking for love. In fact, uh, we have a doctor, a pediatrician for our kids. And uh, especially when the boys were born, Dr. Landrigan... Uh, the male, Dr. Landrigan, would, um, would talk to us and we would take, it, take them to the little six-week checkup, and, or no, one-week checkup. But then at the six-week checkup, he would give us the speech about how, you know, in the first year, the most important thing is this. Most important thing with your child is that they know you love them. He's a pediatrician telling us this, and that they can trust you, that you're building that. Now, we didn't hear anything else from the doctor until about year three or four. I think it was discipline. They gave us the little discipline talk. And, um, and so it's interesting because that is so true. And I couldn't, even, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you the academic studies I could quote that talk about sociologically, 
how important it is that a child receive love. It's a universal need. Here's the second fact. There's a universal solution to the need, and that is that God loves all people everywhere and longs to meet the deepest needs of every heart for love. God loves all people everywhere and longs to meet the deepest needs of their hearts. He wants to forgive, he wants to encourage, he wants to redirect, he wants to affirm, he wants to support, he wants to guide, he wants to hold, he wants to heal. He is a God of love. Brothers and sisters, that's a mark of believers and followers of Jesus. It is not a suggestion, it is a command. Every person on this earth, regardless of their color, where they are from in this world, is loved by God and made in his image. I would not trifle with a holy God about that thing. God wants and he loves all people. But here's the third fact, and that is this. There is a tragic disconnection. Most people remain starved for love. And there are really three reasons why that is. They don't know that God loves them. Uh, that's the first reason. The second reason is they know of God's love, but they have not received it. And the third thing, third primary reason is they have received God's love but they don't know how to experience it in their daily life people have not received God's love they don't they don't even know there are many people that don't even know that God loves them I'll give you one example from the Quran the Muslims read the Quran and they do not see they see they have, a, there's a false God and they teach that God is not personal. He doesn't care about you. He does not love the way the Bible says that God is a personal and loving God. And so the world is not just, it's not just them. It's people who are naturalists who think this is it, that this is all, there's nothing, there's nothing established that creates in us, it's only biological that we even care or love or think or do anything. They don't know that God loves them. They, they may know it, but they have not received it. But then there's other people that have, that have received God's love, but they don't build their lives based on that truth. That's what, this is what I'm trying to get that, like that most important thing that I, if I could sit across the table, wanted to talk to you. It's urgent that I talk to you about this is for you to grasp God's unconditional love. Just one passage, 1 John chapter, chapter three, verse one. How great the Father has on us, has lavished upon us his love that we should be called the children of God. How great has God taken love and he's heaped it on us that we would be called the children of God. 
So what is it? What is the love of God? Well, I put a, de- a definition, a definition. God's love is, in your outline, is his holy disposition towards all that he has created that compels him to express unconditional affection and selective correction to provide the highest and best quality of existence, both now and forever, for the objects of his love. And the totality of that, what that means is, God's supreme affection, his his will has been exacted upon creation, both not only in affection, but also in correction, to bring up the highest and the best for us. It's not just an intellectual concept. It's also for us. It is to know it. Now, in the Bible, there are four words. There are four words. In fact, C.S. Lewis wrote a book that's really good. Now, most of what we've been talking about over these period of weeks are really based on a book by A.W. Tozer. And so you see a lot of quotes out of that in the study that all the, the, the churches are doing across the, uh, even around the world. But in The Real God, we talk about uh, knowing a holy, righteous, loving God. Knowing what the Bible says about love is really important too. And C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Four Loves, and it distinguishes the four kind of love, and that is eros, which is that romantic love, the passionate love, and that's one way that love is spoken of. And another way that God, that the Bible speaks of love, another word is, uh, some people say phileo, or some people use the word philos, and that is that friendship, there's an emotional connection, a brotherhood, a sisterhood, two people linked, arm to arm, common vision, common goal, here we go, brothers, here we go. And then there is storge, and that is sort of a sentimental love, like, you know, when you sing an older hymn, and you just go, man, I remember that, and just something, or an old sweater, or something like that, that's that storge love. But then there is the biggie. And that is agape. So many of you have heard this word agape. And it's a divine love. And it's characterized by sacrifice in pursuit of another's good. That's unconditional love. So the characteristic of God's agape love, as we talk about it here, that we would know God's love, that we would, the characteristics of that agape love, the one that's unconditional, the love of God when we speak of it, is, is fourfold, and that is, it's a giving love. John 3, 16. For God, it begins with God. For God so loved, that was his reason, the world, the whole world, that he gave. He gave. It's a, it's a sacrificial. There's a giving here. He's a giving God. But then the second, it's a sacrificial love. And then it's, un- it's an unconditional love that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's a boundless love. It's not only unconditional that whosoever, but it's also for everybody here, it's boundless. For us as believers in Jesus, what we're talking about is a heavenly father. And this is so beautiful because I think on the one side, 
for many of you, when I say the word father, you immediately think negative thoughts because your earthly father has been possibly unloving or mean or maybe surly. And so when we say heavenly father, you don't maybe have a good thought. I want you to know, when we talk about a heavenly father, we're talking about a, a God who is loving, who is loving. And just let me say what I, I wanna tell you quintessentially in one line, it's in your notes there. Love is giving another person what they need the most when they deserve it the least at great personal cost. Now that's the definition of a good parent's love. I wanna encourage you guys. One of the most unselfish things you will ever do is have a child. Because you will give so much for somebody else and you, you will get a blessing. There's a lot of blessings in it. But so many times this is the picture of parenting. And you give another person what they need the most when they deserve it the least at great personal cost. That's what we talk about when we're talking about the love of God. So I just wanna give you a rundown of what we're talking about so we can all know what we're talking about when we talk about the love of God. What does God's love mean for us, for you? What does God's love mean for you? Because I want you to be able to put your hand around what it means that God is love and that God loves you. The first thing is this. His thoughts, his intentions, his desires, and his plans for you are always for your good and never for your harm. Think about that. That God loves you. And his thoughts and his intentions towards you are always for your good. I think of passages like Jeremiah 29, verse 11 through 13. I think of James 1. Think of that. Do you think, listen, in your heart of hearts, when you really think about God, his plans, do you think that they are always for your good? Do you think about your future and you think about who God is and that his desires are for you and it's always for your welfare. See, if you understand the true love of God, that's what you think. It's his intentions are for you. Second thing is this. He is kind, approachable, frank, and eager to be your friend. I love John 15. John 15 is a great chapter. It's just like Luke 15. Luke 15 is a great chapter in the Bible. John 15 is a great chapter. In verse 15, Jesus says this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know what the master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everyone, everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Do you see God as open and friendly and available to you? God's love means 24-7, he is open, he is kind, he is approachable. We base that on the word of God. Here's the third thing. He, Jesus, emotionally identifies with your pain, your joy, your hopes, and your dreams, and has chosen to allow your happiness 
to affect his own. What happens in your life matters. He identifies with you. Do you remember Jesus' friend, Lazarus, died in John 11? Do you remember that? And he wept. He felt for Mary and for Martha. He knew what he was about to do. He's the Lord. He's about to resurrect Lazarus. He still wept. He felt. His heart, when he saw this fallen world and death and what it had done, he entered in. Is that how you see God? Do you see God empathizing with your life? Here's the fourth thing. He takes pleasure in you just for who you are, totally apart from performance and or accomplishments. This also distinguishes us from other religions. And that is that not only does God initialize this and he's intentional in it, but he also Apart from all the performance, his love is unconditional. Totally apart from your performance, totally apart from your accomplishment, he is the God of Zephaniah 3. He is the God that is mighty. He is the God who is with you. He is the God that, when there is confusion all around you, says this, just let me quiet you with my love. Let me sing over you in rejoicing. Is that the way you see God? is that he enters in to what you're going through. Here's the fifth thing. He is actively and creatively orchestrating people, circumstances, and events to express his affection and selective correction to provide for your highest good. God's love for you means he is actively in your life bringing circumstances together. I can say that firsthand that I'm a witness to this. I, this, even being here this morning as a pastor and preaching to you, I'm sitting here and going, wow, I can't believe that I get to be a pastor. And then there's another side of me that's like, wow, I get to be a pastor of this church. And I look and I can't believe how God has orchestrated all of us being able to be together and all of the things that are happening in our life, all the fallenness and brokenness that happens in the world where crappy stuff happens, but yet we have one another and he brought us all together and somehow he orchestrated for us to be able to be together and he is behind all of that and he, through all of our circumstances, like y'all have a story and I have a story, but somehow God, through his love, orchestrated that we would be here and we would be together and that he loves us and he will, he's trying to accomplish his highest good in our life. I just am amazed by that. Even this past week, as some of you may think, you know, how is it that we could be praising God and be thankful for how he orchestrated these last three weeks? Some people go, that's kind of sick. But we don't. We realize that we were uncertain about what will happen in the final stages of Mrs. Whiteman's life. By the way, that's what I called her. I never called her Irene. I never called her anything. I always called her Mrs. Whiteman. And I never knew, we never knew, but we know now how God just orchestrated everything. And you know, I'm so thankful for that. And I want you to know as a part of the love of God, and you say, well, Johnny, don't you look at the, 
things that happen in this world and look at the bad things that happen and say, there's just such an absence of either God's sovereignty or his love. I turned 55 yesterday, double nickels. <laughs> I'm not ashamed, and no shame in my game. I just, I, you know what? I, um, I mean, who of us would sit here and say, you know, the world just needs a lot less love. There's just so much of that. It's just so like, eh. You know, um, apart from the love of God, life doesn't make sense and it doesn't have meaning. And I, I want to encourage you today that some of you say to yourself, of all of the weeks, I like this one maybe better. This is good. If it were true, I mean, <laughs> it'd really be neat. You know, uh, the one on justice, uh, that was kind of hard to take. Uh, the holiness of God, that was a little like overwhelming. I didn't, maybe the wisdom of God, I, that was okay. I kind of like that. But boy, this would feed my soul. If it were true, it would change my life. And I want you to know it is true. And it's not true because I'm sitting here and saying it. I am giving you a first-hand testimony of God's love and his faithfulness. Yes, I am doing that. But I'm also telling you that you can know this through the word of God. And you might say, well, where do you get that, Johnny? Where is it that you get in the word of God that God is love? Just a few things here. I put them in your outline. Creation. He made you for himself. Look at Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26, in the very beginning, when God created everything, and God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that he may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. You are Imago Dei made in God's image, and he created you. You are like him. He creates in you. And Colossians 1.16 says, and we learn, for in him, in Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, whether visible or invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were made by him and for him. A part of your, his creation is you, we know his love. Secondly, in his providence, God's providence, he shows his kindness to all people. This is not so much a theological word as it is that he shows us his kindness. It's God's kindness to all men as Christians, and sometimes we might get a little ticked off when he loves people uh, and not just the people that talk and act like us. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, I tell you the truth, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. 
He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. That you may be children of your Father in heaven when you love. I encourage you, through his providence, he loves the whole world. Also, we find out in the Bible that he also reveals himself through the incarnation. He is proactively pursuing you. The third way that God expresses his love is through the incarnation. He's literally proactively pursuing you. In Jesus's mission statement in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, he says, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That's good news. He is the hound of heaven who is moving. And I want to tell you something. Some of you come to church. You might be like me. When I was a young person, I felt like an outsider looking in. I always did. I don't know why. I just did. I, when I was growing up, I just kind of felt like an outsider. And it wasn't until I realized when I was 16, 15, 16 years old that God was after me. And when I became a believer and followed Jesus and bowed a knee to Jesus, I realized that he create, not only created me, but he is pursuing me in a love relationship. But he loves me too much to keep me the way I am. Because gone my own way, I make a lot of mistakes. So he disciplines me. That's another way he shows us that he loves us. He chastises us to protect us from self-destructive behavior. That's found in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. It says this, the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes everyone he, he accepts as a son. How God shows his love for us so that he corrects us. And I was reminded this past week that all correction is for restoration. And so it's for our good. It's also found in the Bible. We know that God loves us through the indwelling. We, God supernaturally pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, that Romans 5, verse 5, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. The Spirit of God affirms and empowers and encourages us and draws us to the truth of God's word so that we would build our lives on the truth of God's word and not the lies we were told maybe even when we were younger or by what other people say about us. That we believe the truth of God. It is the indwelling. But the most important way in which God reveals himself through his word, that he's a God of love, is that Jesus, the second person in the tr Trinity, demonstrated the nature of God's love, and he did that in three ways. The first way is he modeled Jesus, his life, he modeled compassion, grace, and truth. So many people say, well, if you want to live a good, healthy, strong life, ask what would Jesus do, and that's great, but you got to know what Jesus did too, and Jesus modeled. If you want to know what Jesus would do, look at what Jesus did. And look what, how he acted. God's, Jesus modeled compassion and grace and truth. He shows us the Father's love by how he responds to children, how he feeds people, how he forgives people. 
But here's the second thing. Jesus also teaches us and explains God's love to us in what he spoke. And that's not just in how he spoke to people as they came to him, but it also was what he taught through parables when he talked to us about the kingdom of heaven. He was showing us God's love. And so many people were like, why are you hanging out with those sinners? All those bad people, Jesus. And thank God for Luke 15, man. Thank God for Luke 15. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. Y'all remember the prodigal son, don't you? The story of the prodigal son is that a son left, squanders his whole father's inheritance. He ends up in the pit with the pigs, eating slop. He says, you know what? My servants get better than that. He turns, he comes back. The older brother's mad because he's self-righteous. But on the porch, is waiting. there is a waiting father in the story that Jesus tells. The story is not about just the son, and it's not just about the older son. It's about a waiting father. Jesus teaches us and explains us what God's love looks like. It's like the waiting father. And here's one more thing. Jesus' death on the cross proved the extent of God's love for you once and for all. It's not just he modeled it. It's not just that he taught it with his words. Because many people, even this Christmas, will talk about how wonderful Jesus is. I don't know, it was a long time ago. I remember, I know a guy that did a video and it was, the song was Secret Ambition. I remember that. And they were, and they did this video. It was some, it was kind of silly, but I'll just never forget this guy. It was kind of a funny thing, uh, kind of a comical thing. And they were like, I want a Jesus that, that a warm, fuzzy Jesus, a Jesus that me and my hairdresser can all love and, you know, kind of that warm, fuzzy thoughts and everything. And that's great because Jesus is compassionate, but Jesus, his love was tougher than nails. That's the proof of Jesus' love. It was his extent that he would die on the cross. So how do we respond? And this is just in the couple of minutes I have left. How do you respond to God's love? How is it that we respond to God's love? There's, there's three simple things here I want to just talk to you. How is it, if God loves me and this is all true and the Bible says it, how do I receive it? Well, first thing is, you must, we must receive it by faith in our hearts. How do you receive it? You must respond to God's love in this way. Receive it. And it's the same passage, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I'm just encouraging you today. You need to be a whosoever. You need to be one of those people who receive it. Receive it into your heart. John 1.12, yet to all who receive him, that being Jesus, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Receive it. Second thing is, we must not only receive it, but we also have to grow to believe it by faith in our mind. So it's not only that, Lord, I come to you and receive you into my heart, 
but I also want to grow in my belief in my mind. I want to encourage you today. I put a couple of scripture references you can check there. 1 John 4, 13. Also Romans 8, 38. Holly earlier read that passage, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, you know that, the love of God. But it's also 1 John 4. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. And if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. Here's the third thing. We must share it by faith through our choices and decisions. I say it very clearly, loving is not an option, there is a command. Make your decision, receive Christ, believe in your mind, and then make your decision, and then decide that you will be a person that will share the love of God through, in faith, by faith, through our choices and our decisions every day. And this is so important to talk to you guys that are students about this. You got to make the decision that you will be a follower of Jesus and you will be peculiar. You will not be like everybody else. You will not return evil for evil. You will instead love your enemies and you will pray for those who persecute. That does not come naturally to human beings. Because when somebody hurts us, it's on. But God instead says there's a better way. And so I encourage you to make your choices and your decisions to follow Jesus, to be a person that will love. Now listen, and then manage your life to those decisions. I encourage you today. You say, well, Johnny, how did he live? I go back to what we were talking about. How did he live? He was giving, he was sacrificial. He loved unconditional. And so today, we build our life on the calling that Jesus laid down his life for us. And what should we do? We lay down our lives for one another. Make that choice. Now I know for some of you here today, this might be, um, Jason Bowerly said this a long time ago when I was at youth group. Uh, he was speaking to my youth group one time and he's, he was just talking from 1 John and he said something so boldly to a group of students. This is like 20 years ago. And he said, you can't give something you don't have. And he said, some of you are struggling giving love because you have not received love and I want you to know if there is nothing else you remember about today I want you to know that you are loved and that you have received love and according to the word of God God loves you very much his intentions and plans for you are good and if you'll receive it and believe it if you will do that he will come in and give you a new heart and give you the ability to love. 
He can break every chain. He can soften any hardened heart. Only God can do it. I pray today that you will listen to him. The world is screaming every kind of message and there's an urgency to what I'm talking to you about. I wanted to make sure I said the most important thing, the right thing. We've only got these moments. I want to make sure I say the right thing to you. God loves 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 you. He loves all of you. And I pray that you will see the hope and today that not only will you receive him, but you'll believe it when you leave this place. Father in heaven, apart from you, Lord, we struggle. We go our own way. We listen to what the world and others say. We lose our way, Lord, just like the prodigal son. So, Lord, we pray that your truth today about your love would, first of all, wake us up, Lord, to who you are. Help us, Lord, to believe. Lord, I pray that you would help our unbelief. Lord, if there is anyone here who's never received you, I pray, Lord, that they would do it today. While it is today, Lord, I pray that they would come to know you. I pray, Father, also that as we leave this place that we would love well and that we'd be a people that are peculiar, the distinct, and we smell like love. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you've never received Christ or if you have something heavy on your heart and you'd like to pray with somebody, you're struggling, I wanna invite you to the cross. The cross is where Jesus proved that God loves us the most. And so I would invite you to the cross. If you've never received Christ or if, you've, if you just need to pray or if you're carrying a heavy burden this morning, you need to pray with somebody. Those folks over here will pray with you as we leave. And I also pray that this week, as you go through Thanksgiving, some of you, this might, this might be a hard Thanksgiving, I also pray that you'll be blessed. You'll also be thankful. We are very blessed. We're a very blessed people. We're amongst the richest, like one, two percent in the whole world. Seriously. And I pray that you will have a rich week and that God will orchestrate, even in your Thanksgiving this week, you'll realize how much he loves you. And as you smile and you look around that table, you'll see the proof of God's handiwork. God bless you. Have a great week.